Today we are talking about denomination, and you have in your bulletin uh, the insert concerning that process with some names on there and asking for your prayerful consideration. We have, I believe, two people uh, rotating off this year and need to fill those positions, and so we are going to be taking those nominations. So today I wanted to talk about uh, deacons, the deacon ministry, and so we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, words will be on your screen. You can follow along there or in your word, which is even better. Read along with me. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he decides, desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to much wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent understanding and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. It is an important role. It is a necessary role. And like many New Testament uh, principles that we have, much of what we do has, has, has uh, evolved into where we are today. I used to get more wound up with people who talk about being a New Testament church or wanting to be a New Testament church because they, some of them get very dogmatic about that. And I think we're nothing, in a way, we're not at all like a New Testament church. If we were a purely New Testament church, we wouldn't be here, we'd be at Joel's house or we'd be at Neil's house. We'd be worshiping uh, in the town square. They did not have facilities like this where they gathered for worship. And so that's just one of the things that has morphed to where we are today. And, and so the role of the deacons has, uh, has morphed, I'll use that word again, into other responsibilities beyond what is initially preached in the scripture using Acts chapter 6 where they were first called to relieve the apostles of, of uh, menial tasks so that they could devote themselves to prayer and preaching the word. The deacons were given the responsibility of, of circulating the meals to those widows who needed help. And so it literally at the beginning was serving tables. But as we've 
grown and as we have bigger needs, as we have uh, a different processes, a different culture, we have let that role grow into uh, a different, a little different, a little more involved. And it is not anything that is set in stone from church to church. Each church uh, decides the role that they want their deacons to do. But there are some fundamental principles there in that it is a position of servant leadership. It is called from the people, the congregation. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 6 where the apostles called upon the people to choose men of respect, uh, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Your verse in the, in the bulletin there, Acts chapter 6, 3 is one. John Maxwell is a very renowned author, Christian speaker. Uh, he's written 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. His focus is on leadership. And he uh, has served many churches. He has an organization devoted to this that does speaking. And he has a quote that I like. It's, leadership is not about titles, position, or flowcharts. It is about one life influencing another. Certainly, we are in life giving particular titles, a supervisory title uh, or some other title, and within that title we have responsibilities, and with those responsibilities we have some authority. But all of us, I would say, have worked for someone who had a title, who had some authority over us, and we did not feel they were worthy of that authority. They did not live it out. They, they were abusive of it, perhaps, or they didn't uh, effectively manage or lead. And so it's easy for us to understand that while there may be titles and positions, a true leader is someone that engenders followership, that you want to emulate, that you want to go where they're going, that you want to uh, fulfill the things they're calling upon you, and they don't need a title to do that. You naturally want to. We have those people in our church. They may not hold a position uh, within the church, but we respect them for the walk they have with Christ, with the uh, with the example of how they live, that a model, and we admire them and we want to emulate them. They are a, a positive example for us. And so that's what John Maxwell is talking to about and being a leader. And that's what Paul, or the author, Luke actually, in the book of Acts is talking about in Acts chapter 6, verse 3 where it says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Choose people that are living the faith. Choose people that have demonstrated in their lives an adherence to the things of Christ. This does not mean perfection. None of us are perfect. All of us are going to have flaws until that day that God calls us home, but we can set a direction towards Christ, and people can recognize in our life that we try to serve Him, live for Him, honor Him, 
worship him. And so those people engender a respect in our part. And that's what uh, was the apostles led the people to do there in the book of Acts, was to seek out those kind of people. So one of the lessons we have from that is those who are chosen to serve are already doing that function. In other words, there are some people who aren't doing anything, and then when once they get the job, then they start doing it. Those are often ineffective leaders because it's not a part of their walk, of their life. And so here, the, the people were instructed to seek for those who are living a life of faith, who are honoring God, who are showing a faith in God and a wisdom in the decisions they made and choose them to give that role of leadership to. In other words, choose people who influence others to live a life for Christ. That's what John Maxwell is talking about, that leadership is influence. And we can influence people positively or negatively. The Apostle Paul said, we are ambassadors for Christ. But you can be a good ambassador or you can be a bad ambassador. But one way or another, you are proclaiming Jesus Christ with your life. And the challenge before us is when people look at you, do they see a person who honors God, who, who strives to live according to the principles that he gives us? Or do they look at something, someone they would consider a hypocrite, that even though they may sing the songs of faith, even though they may quote a Bible verse, their life says otherwise, that they are not seeking to follow God. But either way, there is an example set there. And so in choosing people to lead, we should want to choose those who are already demonstrating a faithfulness and a dedication. I was very proud of the event we had yesterday. It, 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 uh, it um, represented you very well as a church, as a body. It was well organized. It uh, flowed well. And it met needs that were uh, needed by some. But one of the other things that I really appreciated was that four of our deacons were there participating. They were here meeting the people. They were here answering questions. They went out to the car and they showed how to uh, measure tread depth, how to check the oil, how to change a tire but they were here involved in this process or they were in the kitchen preparing food in order to feed those. But in all of those roles, your deacons were here serving others and, and serving your church by doing this process. So that, that was a very wonderful situation. That, was, uh, that made it a success there and besides the deacons, uh, Drew was here as part of that, working with the men, Susan Wilhite, and others were involved in making it a success. But that's the kind of thing we're looking for. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Timothy was charged to go and start churches and to uh, train those people in those churches in how to serve God. It was a new thing. 
we have many years of tradition behind us. We have many years of examples of history of how to do things. But in the early church, it was all brand new. They didn't have any patterns to follow. And they could have gone in, in many diverse ways. And so Paul, in charging Timothy, Titus is another one he charged to, to start these churches, Paul gave them some instructions of how to build these churches, how to establish them. And that's what we see here in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. He starts ta out talking about an overseer. An overseer, of course the Greek word there is translated many different ways. One way is overseer, another way is bishop, another way is elder, all of them, or pastor. All of those come from the Greek word that is used there, meaning one who has responsibility towards others and has a role to fulfill. And so he goes on to what that overseer should be like. Self-controlled, in other words, doesn't fly off at the handle, doesn't indulge in bad habits. Uh, uh, we all maybe binge on Netflix from time to time or eat a big more pizza than we should. That's one thing. But a life of regular overindulgence is not something we'd want to see. Respectable, they should engender respect from people. Hospitable, uh, able to teach, on it gives. Not given to much wine, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. All of these things are, are attributes we should seek in an overseer, a bishop, an elder, a pastor. And he goes on in talking uh, about this when he says in verse 8, deacons likewise. In other words, deacons also should hold those attributes. He adds to it. They are to be, uh, he repeats some of it, worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. There shouldn't be a hint of greediness. They're, they should not uh, be an alcoholic. They should be able to use good judgment in what they do, and it should be seen and respected by the people that they are uh, people who, who strive to live for God, who strive to live a life that is respectable and worthy of trust. And so that's what Paul is giving here in this example is seeking out people that are demonstrating these roles in their lives. One of the things, uh, a, a sermon I like to do, a lesson I like to do out of Nehemiah is called LBE. LBE is leadership by example. We see that in the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was charged by the king to go and to, to build up the walls of the city. In being charged by the king to do that, he was given uh, uh, um, resources. He was given uh, goods to be able to build up the wall. He was given people. He was given a position. He was given a responsibility to lead Jerusalem in building up those walls. Many men and women over the course of history who have been given responsibility like that abuse it. 
And we see that today we have representatives we have sent to Congress and rather than represent the people, they represent special interest and, and bottom line, they represent themselves. They do, uh, they vote for things, they make decisions to make them wealthy people, to give them prominence. And we see that and we resent it, we regret it, and we, we seek to see them serve the people. That's what's expected, that's what their calling is. And so Nehemiah could have been one of those people. He could have gotten drunk with, with his position, with his power, but he did not do that. And he was invited by Sanballat and other leaders around him to come and involve in the feast, to, to be a poobah. But he knew that was a trap. He knew that if he did that, it would lessen his stature to the people he was trying to lead. He knew that were he to uh, engage in that kind of behavior with the other leaders around him who were not for the city, who wanted the city to fall into a state of disrepair, to be vulnerable, he knew if he did that, he would lose all credibility in building up the walls of Jerusalem. And so he told them, I don't have time for you. I, I'm not going to do that. He realized that they were laying in wait for him. They were not seeking to build him up. They were seeking to destroy his credibility with the people. He led by example. He was there on the walls working, uh, protecting, serving the people in that way. And in that, because of that, he did garner their respect and he, and he was able to enlist their work for the city, for the walls of Jerusalem. And it was hard. They had jobs to do. They had families to take care of. And they had to deal with people wanting to attack the walls while they were rebuilding them, much less just the effort of placing stones in the place to build up the wall for the good of Jerusalem, that it would be protected. But by his leadership, by example, the people were willing to follow him to accomplish that because they believed in what they were doing and their leader and in what the benefit was going to be to them. And so leadership by example is so important. And so we want to see those attributes in an individual. You don't... Uh, and. Paul talks about this when he says they must not be a recent convert. We all know youthful exuberance. We all know uh, uh, that change, that, that elation when you make a new decision in life and you're on fire and truly you are on fire for the Lord. But so much of that is untested zeal. And it's easy to be overcome with one with the responsibility to be overcome with the adulation from people and to go astray because you haven't become seasoned in making wise choices. You haven't learned to, to rely on the Holy Spirit for wisdom and direction. And so they, too many quickly fall because they are not seasoned and prepared for a task. And so as we consider who 
to be engaged in leading the church in, in the servant role uh, that we look at their lives, not in judgmentalism, but to see if the example is there, to see if the desire is there. And it, it may be hard to see some people uh, work in the, uh, uh, not in the shadows, but unseen than the background. And your deacons do that. There is, there is work uh, and the trustees going on that you come in here on Sunday morning and you don't know the effort that's been put in. You don't know the time that's been expended. And they're not asking for any adulation or praise or recognition. It's from a servant heart. It's from a servant spirit. But if you are wise, if you are observant, you'll notice these things and you'll notice their life. And you can look at their family. And there are many in our midst that I could go beyond their, their person themselves and look at the attributes in their family and see that they have raised their children well. They have raised them in the love and admonition of the Lord. So if we are observant, we will see these kind of attributes and we can say, that's a person I would follow. That's a person I would trust to make decisions. That's a person I can count on to serve and honor God and to serve and honor his church here at Campbellsburg. And so this is what Paul is teaching us about. And this is the admonishment, the encouragement from the scripture as we seek people to lead that again, not in judgmentalism, but in just simple observation, we pay attention to their walk and see if their walk matches the talk. Are they just seeking position and the admiration of others? And are they wanting to, to have some power, control? A couple of things. One pastor that I served under as a minister of music, and uh, he, was, he had retired, was moving from the scene, and uh, it looked like I was going to become the pastor, which I did. And he said something to me that stuck with me. He said, Wes, don't give a job to somebody who wants it. And that, that seems kind of odd, but too often those who are seeking a position, who are, are seeking for it, are not wanting it for the right reasons. And so it's not an absolute, but it's just one to watch out for. And then I remember another pastor, pastored a church in Louisville, a separate church. We had been to seminary together. We uh, we had been kindred brothers in the spirit. And he was lamenting how his church at the same time was needing trustees and needing deacons. And all of his people wanted to serve as trustees. Nobody wanted to be a deacon. They wanted to oversee the buildings and the repairs and make those decisions and sign the financial documents and have that. They didn't want to wait tables. They didn't want to serve on others. They didn't want to have to do the visitation. And so that was, uh, that was just troubling to him. And, and so that's, uh, that's what we look for in how are people, are they influential? As you pray and as you think about this decision before us, that's a question to ask yourself. Is this somebody... I respect. Do I see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives? Do I see wisdom? 
not that they're perfect again, not that they make every decision to just right, but are they moving towards God? Do they encourage us to honor God by their lives, by their words, by what they do? That's the kind of person. Maybe that person doesn't want to serve as a deacon. Maybe they don't want the responsibility, but they might serve if asked or if called. So church, as we move forward in this regard, as we move forward as a church to serve God, to do His will in Campbellsburg, to proclaim Jesus Christ, to reach out to different individuals like we did yesterday, uh, Team Kid on Wednesday night, uh, upcoming Sunday school uh, growth that we need to have, think about those who would serve God well and that you would be willing to follow. In your list here, one of the th uh, last thing that I want to encourage us on as I drop it, is in the center there it talks about deacons should exhibit. And look over that with me. They should exhibit a growing and active relationship with Jesus Christ, a servant's heart. Active involvement in the life of the church through servicing and programs through small group interaction. Willingness to serve families assigned to them. Ability to meet monthly and or additionally as needed. Availability to the church for the needs as they arise. Uh, one thing that's not on here is supports their church through their tithes and offerings and 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 other things like that. But one of the things I want you to look at when you read that is that is also a guide for church members. We need church members who have a growing and active relationship with Christ Jesus. We want members that have a servant heart, and we do. This is not saying we don't. We want members who are actively involved in the life of their church by being involved in programs that we've had through small group interaction. We want members who are willing to serve others even though they may not have a position or title. We want members who are faithful in church attendance and that they are available to the church as needs arise. And we do. Again, that's not a criticism. We, we have a very healthy uh, body of Christ here. We have people that me and others can call upon when help is needed, when there is a need. We've done that recently in the life of the church. And so we're not talking about uh, we, we are doing a poor job, we're doing a good job, but we want to add to that. We want to engage others in the love of Jesus Christ and living for Him and teaching we have many children, 35 to 40 children on Wednesday night. Many of them do not know Jesus Christ. They need to hear. So we want teachers. We want people who can be hospitable, who can be fun with them that the children will admire and listen. And so all of these things are, are attributes that church members we desire to see. So surely we want to see those attributes and those we call to lead us and uh, not to have all the fingers pointing outwards, but that's the things you, I hope you can see in me and my involvement and my attitude. Those are ex be expected of your pastor as well. 
to those who are called to leadership. My very favorite term for that is servant leadership and being a shepherd. My picture of being a pastor is being a shepherd. A shepherd cares for the needs of his flock, and that can be very menial, basic needs, but that shepherd also leads the flock to clear water, to good grass, to safety. And so there is this model of servant leadership. You take care of those entrusted to you, but you also lead them to where Christ would lead us. So I hope that today you would take these to heart, that you would uh, consider seriously uh, those who you see these attributes that we might ask them to serve their church in this capacity as we move forward in serving Jesus Christ. Stand with me as we close in prayer. Our closing song is Speak to My Heart. And that's what we want to ask for in our prayer. Lord, don't let me go by my thinking, by my knowledge. Speak to my heart through the Holy Spirit and what you would have us do. Let's pray. Dear Precious Father, Lord, we just don't fully understand the blessings we have today as a New Testament church as people that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We don't fully understand the power and the uh, ability and the strength and the knowledge and wisdom that is available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and then ascended to the throne and sent the Holy Spirit, we were given a tremendous resource in that you, God, were able to come, abide within us to control our thoughts, to control our actions, so that what we do serves you. Father, that's what you need in a church. You need churches who lift high the name of Jesus Christ, who give a cup of cold water in your name, who check tire pressures, who change oils, who who do what is needed, not only spiritually, but physically, Lord. And I thank you that this church has that heart, that this church is reaching out and has reached out and helping many people over, over the many years. Father, may you help us to not grow tired, to not grow weary, but to continue on in serving Jesus Christ in the great tradition that you have engendered here. Lord, some of us are getting older. We are a little more tired, a little more limited. But Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would strengthen and enable us to work until that time that you bring us others who are able to pick up the load and move forward with us. Thank you for Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you for your word. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.